everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On today's episode, I welcome in Rusty Shelton, who is the founder and chairman of Zilker Media, a senior marketing strategist at Forbes Books, and an active speaker to audiences around the world. He has written three acclaimed books, including his newest, The Authority Advantage, Building Thought Leadership Focused on Impact, Not Ego which is co-authored with Adam Witte. And I had such a tremendous conversation with Rusty. We went deep into personal branding and all the things that he's learned throughout the years to help you get started building your personal brand and continue forward with it. So I hope you all enjoy this conversation with Rusty. And without further ado, please welcome in Rusty Shelton. Rusty, welcome to the podcast. Good to have you. Brian, thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, same here on this end. Um, I've enjoyed your, your organization there. Zilker's been really good to, to me in the podcast and and kind of presenting a lot of cool guests over the years. So it was kind of cool when they were like, hey, let's let's get Rusty on here and chat with them because you, <laughs> you have some cool stuff that you've done um, in your career. And, and what's always interesting too that comes up a lot with folks I just talk with, friends and colleagues or folks that I've had in the podcast, just around the importance of like building a personal brand today, telling your story because I don't know, I mean, you probably have more research on this, but you know, thinking like 20, 30, 40 years ago, typically that wasn't the case. You were either a personality, right? Celebrity or out there, or maybe you're like the face, like a Jack Welch or something. Like you're the face of the company and that's it. Like no one else, you kind of knew who they were. They just work for an organization. And now it's completely changed. It's completely changed. And, and a couple of things have happened. Number one, companies are a lot more open to it, have sort of recognized that, you know, their biggest untapped marketing resource are actually the leaders within the company. Mm -hmm. The the second thing, and I would say the bigger thing, Brian, is, you know, we're, we're in an environment right now where people trust institutions, people trust businesses, people trust nonprofits at at an all-time low, right? Mm -hmm. Skepticism has never been higher. And so, when you have a company that is leading with the logo in particular, if it's a small business, if it's a startup, you know, those companies, number one, are reaching an audience that, again, is more skeptical than they've ever been. When I hear from your company, my guard is up. I'm expecting your marketing to me. The second thing, if it's a startup or smaller business and you're trying to go head to head against corporate logos that have been around decades and decades longer, they're much bigger marketing budgets. I mean, it's a fight you're not going to win. And so it's one of the things that we're seeing right now is the best way for entrepreneurs to punch above their weight class is not to lead as a company with something to sell. It's to lead as a mission-driven thought leader with something to teach. And do you find that most people, and again, I'm making assumptions because of my fear initially, is that they just don't feel like they have anything to say. Like, why am I putting myself out there? I'm just kind of a a small fish here. Is that the big kind of hesitation to start building a personal brand online or are there other things? Usually there's two things. So imposter syndrome, which you referenced there, which is, do, do I really have something to say here? Or, you know, did I miss the boat? Am I 10 years too late or five years too late? I hear that a lot. We can certainly dive into that. Uh, the bigger thing that I see, Brian, from, you know, high-performing leaders is, Unfortunately, for a lot of us, when we hear the phrase personal branding or we hear the phrase thought leadership, you know, our minds immediately go to people that are building ego-driven, hey, look at me kind of brands, right? People that are doing this for the wrong reason. And so one of the things just to get out of the way at the start, 
when, I, when we talk about building an authority advantage or building thought leadership, we are not talking about building a, hey, look how awesome you are kind of brand, right? Or anything that comes across as an ego stroke. It's actually completely the opposite. I'm encouraging entrepreneurs and leaders to be the messenger, not the message, right? If you've got a message to get out there, it's going to go further, quicker, cheaper, more effectively if you, as the individual, are the messenger instead of your company. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because the speed to trust for an authentic mission-driven leader is dramatically quicker than the speed to trust for your company. And so it's one of those things I'm really passionate about, Brian, because I see so many entrepreneurs, so many small business owners who are toiling away at marketing and lead gen and trying to do it behind a brand new company name or a brand new logo that that nobody knows, that nobody trusts yet. Yeah. And again, if they'll come out alongside that company and teach instead of sell, it just, it, it creates such a different environment. And, you know, in my experience is really a game changer for companies that are willing to do that. Yeah. Well, it, it is. And again, from what I've seen or folks I've talked with, and I, I have to imagine the same with you, and maybe on a more exponential level is like, I think folks are just so used to the old guard, the way it's always like, like I give this folks and just obviously I'm probably biased because I've been podcasting for five and a half years. I love listening to podcasts. But I tell this friends that have like you know have startup businesses or whatever, I'm like, why don't you reach out to 50 podcasts, go on there and tell your story? And they they'll say, no, I'm not gonna do that to whatever, but yet they'll go do the ad spend on Google and do all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's one avenue, but have you tried this other? And it's a lot of hesitation to try something different. Because whether it's podcasting or, you know, putting a, a brand presence on LinkedIn or whatever it is, like these are new things to a lot of people. They really are. And you're right. Most of us as leaders and entrepreneurs are kind of conditioned to put all of the eggs in the corporate brand basket. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, typically the thought is if I'm going to market my company, I've got to pay for impressions. I've, I've got to run ads. I've got to spend money. And, and the more effective thing, it's not to say that some of that stuff can't work from time to time, but the much more effective thing, especially as a, a startup with a lower marketing budget with lower time is just go on and earn those impressions. And you earn those impressions by getting on other people's podcasts, by sometimes starting your own podcast. And again, it's it's really a shift at a high level. Part of what I want to encourage your, your audience to think about, most Leaders, most entrepreneurs are po positioned as operators with something to sell. In other words, when I Google their name, I'm going to get a suit and tie picture, headshot on a corporate website, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's the most commoditized image that could possibly exist mm -hmm. for an entrepreneur or a leader. What, what we're really encouraging people to think about with the authority advantage is really instead of being positioned as an operator with something to sell – you want to be positioned as a mission-driven thought leader with something to teach, right? Somebody that's going out with the mindset, if you never take another step with me, I'm going to leave you better off as a result of having listened to this podcast or read this blog. Uh, but, but unfortunately, Brian, most people are giving the kind of value they would give on a podcast or the kind of value they would give on a blog. They're doing it behind the scenes in, in the boardroom or, or meeting by meeting and not recognizing that, hey, you're already doing this. It's just that it's happening on a one-to-one -one or one-to-few basis. And if you sort of 
think differently, if you shift your mindset and instead do that at a bit more scale, you, you're going to go further quicker than you would otherwise. Well, and you make a good point on the operations with something to sell, because that's always the like, we're, okay, I have, well, this is even, I have to sell. Like people feel like even whether it is on a podcast or like, oh, I'm, if I'm going to do a blog article, it's almost like I have to talk about my product or whatever. And it's like, no, you don't. You actually don't. If you talk, you talk about anything else, people are going to trust you. Going back to, I think, you know, kind of the, and what probably why you wrote the, the new book and all that is like, you want people to trust you and then they'll take action if they think it's valuable for them. But I've learned this just from being in sales, software sales for a lot of years is like people, you can't sell to people in terms of like convincing them. We think it's like, oh, I can, no, no, no. They're going to make up their mind you can help make that more educated and make them think and, and make them have a easier path to a decision. But at the end of the day, someone has to make a decision on their end. So it's not like yes. you're going to be able to do that just by some random tricks or something like that. Like they're going to have to trust you and respect you. And by the way, and I think I would love your thoughts on this, obviously building your businesses. You don't want to just sell them for day one. You want them to be long-term partners, right? <laughs> That's part of having good business sense. Like, you don't, it, who cares if you sell them day one and they cancel in six months? That doesn't help you. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it's, it, it, you hit the word that I think is the one I want your audience to hear loud and clear, which is this is a trust issue. Mm -hmm. the, the, the reason, the why behind an entrepreneur or a leader getting more visible, building thought leadership focused on impact, not ego. The reason to do that is really, really simple. And that is to accelerate trust mm -hmm. with potential clients, with potential talent, with potential partners, but also to make an impact on people that might not otherwise come across you or come across your business. And so I find for a lot of leaders, there's a ton of head trash around this immediate knee jerk that this is about ego, which it's not when it's done right. The other piece of head trash you referenced, which is imposter syndrome. And it's really, okay, well, what am I going to add to the discussion here? How am I going to bring something different? And I think one of the big things, Brian, that I always encourage leaders to think about here is what you're going to bring to the table is you, your personality, your experience, your mindset. I find a mistake a lot of leaders make is, when they take that step forward and they say, okay, I'm going to start creating videos for YouTube. I'm going to start a LinkedIn newsletter. Sometimes the knee jerk is, all right, I've got to play this really formal role of what I think a thought leader should sound like and, and how they should talk. And actually what works is completely the opposite, right? I want you to be more of yourself. I want you to be more of who you are. I want you to bring your personality to the table. I want you, you know, in your case, I love going through some of your materials where you talk about CrossFit, you talk about the things that are really important to you, and you're bringing the things you like to the table alongside, you know, the great insights that you provide for people to, to just get started and how to think about sales and how to make that jump. So that's another thing that I, I hope people that are listening to this are, are thinking about is this becomes a lot of fun when you're actually bringing your personality, your uh, perspective to the table. Is there, and I'll put you on the spot for maybe one or two people that you think of that are doing it well mm -hmm. in terms of putting yes. themselves out there and anyone you would kind of call out, cause this might be someone can go check on them and be like, all right, let me look how they're putting content out or what they're talking about. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two examples, one on a, a smaller level and one on a, a, a level that's a household name that most of your audience will know. Um, let's start on the smaller level. So 
Patty Brennan, uh, who is one of the examples that we give in the book, she runs a financial advisory firm up in the Northeast, one of the largest uh, independently owned financial advisory firms in the country. And it's interesting, Brian, I, I, I always encourage people to sort of think about it. If you, let's say you just sold your business and you are looking for a financial advisor and you get five different referrals from five different friends, mm-hmm. right? First thing we're going to do when we get that referral is go kick the tires on our buddy's referral. We're going to make sure they're not, you know, the outlier and having a great experience with that advisor. And, and so if you think about it, you, you Google the names of, of a hundred financial advisors, 99 out of a hundred are going to give you a suit and tie picture on an Edward Jones website. We're going to see the educational background. There's nothing negative. It's just, they all look the same. And when I Google that person's name and I get that kind of a Merrill Lynch or Edward Jones, you know, I'm in the position of power. I'm interviewing them. What makes you different? What, 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 you know, in other words, there's a very different dynamic there. When you Google Patty Brennan's name, the first thing that comes up when you get to her website is not a stock photo of a retired couple walking down the beach with their grandkids or, you know, the skyline for New York City. When you get to her website, the first image you see is a hero shot of Patty up on stage and you've got that Forbes logo behind her. She's given a keynote at the Forbes Summit. And what happens there is, wow, I don't know, Patty, I do have an image of my mind for Forbes and I do have an image in my mind for somebody that's on a stage like that next to a logo like that. And so what happens is uh, it's a trust accelerator. We call this authority by association. And so Patty is positioned not as an operator with something to sell me. She's instead positioned as that mission-driven thought leader with something to teach. And, And by the way, four out of the five people, again, I'm interviewing them. When I call Patty's office, oh, you need me to wait a couple of months for that appointment? No problem. In other words, I'm feeling lucky to get in the room with her because of the trust that's been accelerated a set of time. So I think for a lot of the the audience just that's listening to this, part of what I want them to think about, I'd love to dive into this in in more detail here in a second, is going through and doing a brand audit for yourself and putting yourself in the shoes of somebody that's been referred to you by name. When they go looking for you, number one, can you be found? Mm-hmm. Are, are you fortunate like Brian that has a really unique last name <laughs> and own search right away? Or do you have a name that we need to think about changing? And again, we'll, we'll come back to that here in a second. But the second thing is, if I do land on your website, if I do land on your LinkedIn, are you creating an image that differentiates you mm-hmm. from your competition and positions you as that thought leader with something to teach? So let me pause there before I jump to the to the bigger name that your audience will know. Any any questions about that as it relates to Patty's experience? Well, I you hit a couple of things where it's like some of these folks, you know, the the, the ninety nine of a hundred you mentioned, you know, like have Edward Jones or whatever. They're always trying to, you know, they have to really hunt and go hard to probably bring in clients. But a Patty is setting themselves up for to have those folks come to them because again, you want to. I think this comes back to being relatable. Right. If she's telling stories about her life, the different stuff they're doing, it's relatable because it's just human to human communication. Right. That's a connection. But if you see someone that might intimidate you, that's like, you know, I think that could also, you know, kind of get people going in another direction or be hesitant. What don't these all look the same? Because I think it's like um, this is more like human psychology. Right. But it's like patterns we come across. It's like 
in a relationship. If we had a bad relationship and we meet someone that kind of looks similar in terms of how they're acting, we think that triggers us of, <laughs> they might be totally different, but it's yes. the same thing I think from a brand standpoint. Do you agree with that? I, I completely agree with that. And I, I think the other thing to, to realize with Patty is when she creates that kind of image before you get in the room with her, what also happens is it empowers people that already know and love her to refer her more, to talk about her more, because that initial image makes them look good for having the connection right. to Patty. And so that's the other thing that just when you think about this idea of getting more intentional about your brand, the most immediate area of impact that, that your listeners are going to see it is not in reaching people that have never heard of them before. It's an empowering the people that already know and love you to refer you more, to send more people your way because you're making it easy on them to do that. Yeah. So um, it, it's just, it, it's, it's a different image. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders, the thing that holds them back is they've got an image before they get in the room that is exceedingly commoditized. In other words, again, it's exactly what I'm expecting from an accountant, from a lawyer, from a financial advisor and it's not negative. It's just, it's the same as everybody else. Yeah. My encouragement for, for people that are listening to this is pull yourself out of that operator with something to sell stack and instead position yourself again as that authority with something to teach. You know, you're, when you were mentioning that, it kind of made me think of like, if we take it away from people, like look at restaurants, like if I, um, if you came to Raleigh here, you know, if you ever come to Raleigh, we'll go to Angus Barn. Angus Barn is an extremely well-known restaurant, but it's a, it's an old farmhouse. But yep. you go there, the food's incredible. The staff is just out of this world, unbelievable service. It's decorated great. So like if I refer someone, hey, go to Angus Barn when you're in town, I know they're going to have a great experience versus if I give some franchise, you know, what do you all have done there? You have like, what is it? Stubbs Barbecue? Is that the big thing in Austin? Yep. What's Right? How do I, I don't even live in Austin, but like I hear about that. I think Joe Rogan always talks about it, but uh like you know, you have like these establishments where it's like, oh my God, I have to go there when I'm in town. And because they've built up this reputation of like good service, they're unique, right? They're not just kind of, uh, you know, kind of cookie cutter, if you will. So it kind of, I don't know, it, I, I kind of put that as a parallel maybe to a personal brand. For sure. And, and we talk a lot about Gordon Ramsay as a great example of this, speaking of restaurants yeah. in, in the book. I mean, you go to Las Vegas and Gordon Ramsay restaurants are all over the Caesars properties mm -hmm. there. You check into Caesars Palace and you're probably going to see Gordon Ramsay's face on your key card that's going to get you in the room, right? When you go to his restaurant, you're not expecting to see Gordon Ramsay back there cooking your food, right? Mm -hmm. he, he's worth far more to Caesars for the, the teaching that he does on his TV show, through his books, through his personality. And so that's part of what I want to encourage people to just think a little bit about is you, you want to position yourself at scale to build affinity and trust with your audience. And then that becomes an on-ramp back to your company, back to causes that are important to you. And so um, that, that I think is just a really important piece of this. The other example I was going to give was, was Gary Keller, co-founder of Keller Williams yep. Realty. And, and Gary, you know, his most recent book, The One Thing, which he wrote with Jay Papazan, we were fortunate enough to promote several years back when it came out, but, but Gary's been doing this for a long time. And if you think back to when uh, Keller Williams started publishing books, so Gary's first book was called 
the millionaire real estate agent. And, and this was back when Keller Williams was not what it is now, which is the biggest real estate company in the world. This was back when Keller Williams was trying to chase down Coldwell Banker, Century 21, some of the really big real estate brands. And Gary tells the story of being in the boardroom and they were talking about, okay, how are we going to run down some of these other brands? We don't have the same marketing budget they have. Uh, we haven't been around as long as they have. And the idea came up, you know, for, for them to write a book. And Gary tells the story of everybody kind of turning and looking right at him as the guy that they wanted to write the book. But he wrote that first book, Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And he talks about going in to Coldwell Banker offices or Century 21 offices and his book is sitting on the desks of their agents. And what happens there is he's positioned, again, not as somebody that's recruiting them. Mm -hmm. he, he's giving value first. He's teaching them how to build a real estate business that, that's really a different positioning than everybody else in the market. And so, again, I, I think for me, Brian, it's just coming back to people listening to this. You're going to differentiate yourself by being the entrepreneur that wrote the book on the topic, by being the entrepreneur that hosts that podcast, that gives value. Um, and, and as you do that, you're going to have more fun than you think you're going to have, but also you're going to meaningfully move business goals forward. And that's maybe a great point to talk. You mentioned brand audit earlier, and maybe that's a, would that be the place as like a first step for someone to kind of yes. think about this differently? Yeah, so so let's dig into that for a second. So somebody listening to this or watching, you know, this interview, one of the first things I want you to do when you wrap up with Brian and I today is, is go do an online brand audit for yourself. So go in Google incognito mode so it doesn't, you know, take into account where you are, pop your name in. And uh, if you pop in first name, last name.com, the first thing I want you to ask yourself when you Google your name, number one, can you be found? And if the answer to that is no, there are one of two reasons why. Either you've intentionally been a ghost online up to now, and if so, all right, I'm going to see if I can get you over that hump today. The much more common reason you can't be found, though, is because you either have a name that is exceedingly common. In other words, you, you have a name like Michael B. Jordan had, yeah. which was Michael Jordan before yeah. he added in that middle initial. Or you've got a unique name that you're unlucky enough to share with an Olympian from the 90s or an axe murderer from the 70s. In other words, somebody else dominates results around your name. So if you can't be found and your name is really common, the way I want you to think about that is your name's kind of like a piece of digital real estate. And if you've got a name like Michael Jordan or uh, the example we give in the book, uh, which is David Meerman Scott, who wrote the foreword to our book, his name's David Scott. And what he recognized early on was he was standing on a really crowded piece of digital real estate if that was his name. And so when he added in his middle name, David Meerman Scott, or, or like Michael B. Jordan, he added in a middle initial. He walked across the street to a piece of real estate that's empty. And with the first brick, he owns search. So the first question I want people to ask themselves is, do they need to change their name? And by the way, if you were trying to build a brand right now with a name like David Scott or Mike Davis or something super common, you are going to go out there and spin your wheels and, and actually not get where you want to go because you don't have a brand that people can discover. And so that's really the first thing to think about. It, people that are listening to this, if you don't own your name, firstnamelastname.com as a website address, one of the first things I want to encourage you to do is go to GoDaddy and buy it if it's available. While you're there, get your kids' names, get your grandkids' names, 
that real estate's valuable today. It's only going to get more valuable in the future. So first step, can you be found? Second thing I want people to think about, Brian, is if I do, so, so let's say I do Google your name and I find, you know, your LinkedIn profile typically is going to be the very first thing that comes up. The second question I want you to ask yourself for somebody that doesn't yet know you when they get to LinkedIn, you know, what kind of image are you creating in their minds, right? Well, we've got to keep in mind when somebody gets to LinkedIn, that has been referred to you. There's no image in their mind yet for you. They don't know your company yet. They don't know your headshot because again, first time they're coming in contact. Mm -hmm. The amount of people, Brian, that when I get to LinkedIn in that header image area, I'm seeing a corporate logo for, for, for their company, or I'm seeing you know, the sunset picture off the coast of California or some generic stock photo, cool picture. It's doing nothing to build trust with an audience that doesn't yet know you. So instead, part of what I want people to think about is really walking a very fine line with their brand, okay? So on one side of the coin, I want people to build authority by association. In other words, let visuals say what I don't want you to say about yourself, which is top of her category thought leader, main stage speaker, wrote the book on the topic. In other words, this is somebody I can trust. This is an authority. And then the flip side of the brand, the entirety of a content strategy should be mission-driven thought leadership. If you never take another step with me, I'm going to leave you better off as a result of having listened to this interview or read this article. But as you probably know, Brian, people aren't interested in the content until they first recognize you're the person to teach them mm -hmm. on this topic. And that's why you get to do both sides of that point. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into those. I'm actually, I'm actually curious and I don't mind putting myself on the spot here. When you went to my LinkedIn, beat me up. Did you, did you, what, what any, any positives or negatives you would share? Yeah, so so let's talk a little bit about that. So your header image, you've got a really cool let's get started branded header with your picture there. It's 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 well designed. The the challenge from my perspective or the opportunity is most people that are getting there that haven't come across you yet, mm -hmm. that doesn't yet mean anything to them, right? Or yeah. that picture doesn't yet mean anything to them. So instead, ideally, if we've got a, a visual of you in a setting that connotes authority. So in other words, if, if we've got an action shot of you on stage and we've got a TEDx logo behind you, or we've got a university of North Carolina or kind of pick the event, mm -hmm. what happens there is, I don't know, Brian, I do have an image in my mind for Forbes or TEDx or whatever that particular brand is. And so what happens is again, your image is along for the ride with that. Mm -hmm. So um, my encouragement would be if there's a, a visual there uh, for you, but also people listening to this, put yourself in a setting that uh, connotes authority for you, where that visual says, again, what, what I don't want you to say about yourself, which is um, this is somebody with something to teach rather than somebody with something to sell. Mm. Um, the other big thing to just to think a little bit about. So you've got, uh, there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that don't do the bio. So LinkedIn now gives you the ability to do the full bio within your LinkedIn profile. And you've got a, a pretty nice, I think, personal uh, approach to your bio, which I, which I love. The only encouragement I would give to you would be to try to weave in some of that authority by association as well. So in other words, when I read through that bio, I want to see Brian's mission, which I've got there. I want to learn a little bit more about who he is, but I also want to get some credibility, ideally, uh, where I can say, okay, Brian has worked with XYZ. He has shared the stage with XYZ. In other words, those specific brands 
yeah. give you an association that accelerates trust in a really irrational way. So mm -hmm. th those are just a couple of the things that that quickly jump out for me. No, that's, a, that's a good point, because I think this goes back to the fear at the beginning we were talking about. I think a lot of folks, and and sometimes I probably do it without even thinking about, but yeah, like, obviously, I'm fortunate with this podcast, like when folks find out, oh, you had Seth Godin on, or Guy Kawasaki, or what, like, it's like, oh my gosh, but yeah, to your point, right when you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, why don't I have those type of things in the in the bio, right? And I wonder if it's like a self-deprecating kind of like, you know, don't want to self-promote too much type thing. So I'm sure there's some some self-living beliefs from years ago that still are are in there, you know? Yeah, well, I think the best thing's a mix, right? So so yeah. if you can give me a little bit of both. Yeah. Self-deprecation, there's no better way to build trust and affinity with an audience than to self-deprecate. So yeah. I love that. I love some vulnerability. But, I mean, you do this really effectively on the website. I mean, the first thing I see when I go there as, um, you know, potential customer or potential podcast guest is, wow. Guy Kawasaki, Seth Godin. I mean, you've got a who's who of, you know, great authorities that you've had on this podcast and it accelerates trust with somebody that, that may be coming across you for the first time. So my encouragement is just let's leverage that beyond just the website to, to, you know, to build trust with somebody that may land on LinkedIn for the first time. Yeah. You mentioned about the book, like putting a book together, a Gary yeah. Keller and, and kind of that idea there is I'm assuming that is not the first step because most people are like, oh my God, I can't write a book, even though they could. Where is it just writing blog posts? Is it posting online? Like, is there any encouragement of like maybe how much, you know, in terms of the tactical, I guess, day to day? Sure. Yeah. The first step, in, in my opinion, Brian, I see a lot of people jump right to the fun stuff. So, in other words, right, all right, let me launch that LinkedIn newsletter. Let me start doing some PR. And, and they don't have a brand name that they can own search for and they don't have a, a home base. So my encouragement okay. for people, the starting point is make sure you have a name that you can own search for. Okay. And that's getting to, do I have a, a name where like Brian's that that's really unique or like mine, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a name that not a lot of people go with, with Rusty. Um, or if you've got a name, you've got to add that middle initial. Do that first so that you've got discoverability. Second thing is make sure that as you're driving people there, you're creating that image uh, of somebody with something to teach versus somebody with something to sell. And that's the authority by association and, and getting the right approach with that image. From there, in terms of starting to get active and getting to the fun stuff, Right, I always encourage people to, to go with a, a three-part content strategy. So just to get tactical for a second, the mistake I see a lot of people make, if we sort of use this analogy that your content strategy is like it's your personal newspaper, mm -hmm. whether it's video or audio or whatever, the mistake I see most people make, typically the tendency is to fill that newspaper with op-eds or opinion pieces, meaning it's the rusty show again and again and again and again, right? We've got two problems with that. Number one, you're going to get bored pretty quick if all you're serving up is your own stuff. Number two, if you don't have enough people yet that know to pay attention to your message, in other words, if we're starting off with a small audience, mm -hmm. it's a really slow grind in terms of growth because, again, we don't have enough people that know to pay attention to it yet. And these are the people, Brian, that you'll hear from that say, all right, Rusty, uh, you know, I started blogging. I blogged for three months. It didn't get me anywhere. I'm done. And, and the reason why is because they're serving up their own stories to an audience that's so limited mm -hmm. 
that it's not going to go anywhere. So three-part content strategy. Category one is what we call you-driven content, Y-O-U. This is content that connects back to your intellectual property. This is your perspective on how to be a better leader, how to start that company, how to become a thought leader, whatever your topic area is. If you're Patty Brennan, it's how to build you know, the right kind of retirement. So this is kind of evergreen content in your topic area. This is also your personal journey. So your lessons learned along the way, the more self-deprecating, the more vulnerable that you're willing to be, the better this category is going to perform. And in my experience, Brian, most people do this first category at like 95% of what they put out. I want, I want to encourage people to limit it to one third. Okay. Category two is news-driven content. David Meerman Scott coined a term called newsjacking. This is what's it's kind of taking what's in the broader news cycle, what you know your audience is anxious about, they're excited about, they're paying attention to it, right? And I don't need your audience reporting the news, right? There's lots of people doing that. I want them to provide analysis mindset for their audience on how they should react to that news. The third category is what you have done really well, more than 350 episodes with the podcast. Um, and then I encourage a lot of leaders to think about, and that is relationship-driven content. In other words, how can you use your content strategy as an excuse to reach out to people that either you want to build a relationship with or as a way to involve other people that you think have a story that needs to be told. Just as a quick example of this, one of our biggest clients is one of the fastest growing regional banks here in the state of Texas. You walk in the door at the bank branch in downtown Austin, it's all the stuff you'd expect to see from a modern bank branch. The thing that stands out, turn to the right, there's a podcast studio in the bank branch and the bank president hosts that podcast called Banking on Community and, and it's used as a way to essentially build peer-to-peer -peer interactions with uh, leaders in the Austin area as a way to bring in investors and big clients. And the interviews are not, you know, hey, tell me why Keystone Bank has been such a great, it's not a promotion. It's let's set up a way for you to tell your story. But what happens, Brian, as you know, is the more other people you involve, right, you're empowering them with something to share. So those are the three categories that I've seen be really successful for people. Yeah. I Well, and even on the relationship one, it's goes back to with Patty, right? You start building where people want to talk about it more because now you have that relatable whatever, right? Oh, you yes. had so-and-so on. Okay. I like them as well. Now I'm going to share it out. I'm going to do whatever. So it builds that social proofing, if you will. It totally does. Yeah. Build social proofing. And again, the, the more of that kind of stuff you have, the more people are excited to talk about what you're doing because it makes them look good. Yeah. Right. It, it, the, the more scarce and the more exclusive that you can kind of create that brand, the, the better you're going to do. On the, the, the you driven, well, actually, it could be on all of it, but you, you don't care of how they deliver that. It could be written word, it could be video, it could be audio, it could be a mixture. I'm assuming, but do you care? Is there one that you found more better performing than others or? Well, I mean, vid video is, is what all of the algorithms are loving, right? So in other words, it's, it's what LinkedIn is wanting to promote. It's what Instagram is wanting to promote. So certainly video is going to be the highest performing category. What I would say though, Brian, for, for listeners to this, especially those who have been telling themselves that story of either I'm late to the game on this, or I don't have a whole lot to add. I always like to kind of start with a, a Venn diagram. So on one of the one of the circles there is what you enjoy, 
right? Some people listening to this are fantastic writers. They love to write, but the thought of shooting a video for LinkedIn, you know, every other week just makes their stomach turn. Some people are better speakers. In other words, start with what you enjoy. And then let's look for an overlap with where your audience is looking for information. So in other words, if, if we sort of start in the middle of that, we're going to start off with something that you are going to be naturally predisposed to enjoy, but that's also going to work for your for your audience. Okay. I like that. And, and again, I think that's getting someone off the starting block. Eventually, you're going to kind of figure out you know, maybe what works for you, what you like doing, what you don't like doing. But, but this goes back to consistency is like, if you don't keep it up, you're not, you don't know how to change. You don't know what you like. You don't know what type of writer you are even, because even early on writing, like when I started to write a lot, it was bad <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. And then I started yeah. to figure out, oh, I liked writing this type of content, or this is how this is more, but I wouldn't know that until I actually had some of those uh, poor rough draft. You know, I'm sure I mean, with your book, like you read that first rough draft and you're like, whew, oh, man, this is hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, Gary V, who is one of my favorites in the space. He, he, he likens it to working out. Yeah. Right. It's one of those things that just consistently doing it over time generates results and understand that those first few videos that get posted, you may have 14 on that video. You, in other words, it, it may start off, it's going to start off with a small audience and just be mentally prepared for that. And what I find, Brian, that kind of gets people over that first hump is if if they lean into, if I do nothing else with this video, but give value to one person, if I'm teaching and just one person gets value from this, it's, it's worth it. And in my experience over time, when you start off with that mindset, you're going to give yourself the kind of grace to build some build some audience without worrying at the start. Okay, was this thing you know a viral post or not? Yeah, and and mentioning Gary Vee made me think about you know it, and, and I've done this and probably because he mentioned it many years ago. It was like you do a video, but you can turn that into a blog post. You can turn that into some graphical you know uh, post. You know, so you can. It's not like you're wasting it just one piece and that's it. You can turn that into a lot of different stuff. And by the way, you can repurpose that. So maybe you put it out today and then in four months you put similar content out, right? So I, I think that's one thing some folks feel like, oh my God, I got to create so much content. Well, no, if you create one big piece of content, you can span that into a lot of different areas, right? That's exactly right. And, yeah. and Brian, back to the book. So, so a lot of people I see have kind of that per perception of, oh my gosh, you know, book's going to take me a couple of years to write. And it's this huge, enormous thing, but same thing happens with a book, right? It's, it's one 500 word writing prompt after another. And over time, you get yourself to a point where you've got something you can, you can work back into a book. So I, I do encourage people, I, I would guess a lot of your audiences had that on the to-do list for a while. Probably. Um, that's one of those things that irrationally, when I see you've written a book on the topic, it builds trust with an audience that may never open that book. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they do. And hopefully they're, you know, they get a ton of value from it. But even if they don't, it's one of those things that uh, provides a lot of authority to somebody that might otherwise be in a pretty commoditized category. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's something too, you mentioned when you go back to like Forbes or TEDx or whatever, when you see that, you know, it's just like having a certain logo on your shirt or anything like that, you start associating with people, it's that tribal nature of humans. It is. And it goes back to, again, 
the single most important principle that exists in terms of building trust with somebody that doesn't know you is the principle of authority by association. Mm -hmm. And that is, okay, I don't know, Brian, I do have an image in my mind for somebody that's interviewed Seth Godin and Guy Kawasaki. And in other words, those are names I do know. And so what happens is Brian's image is along for the ride. With that, it's a trust accelerator at, at an irrational level mm -hmm. at the start. And so again, on the brand audit side, if you've got small business owners or leaders that are listening to this, go to your website and put yourself in the shoes of somebody that has never come across your company before, has never come across your nonprofit before. Are you associating yourself with brands that your audience already knows, trusts, and respects? In other words, I, I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs that have done PR in the past, that have won awards, mm -hmm. and I get to their website and they've got the same stock photos as every every competitor that they have. Give me those logos right there. Give me that logo belt. You know, Brian's taken the stage at XYZ or he's been featured in XYZ. Those things move the needle in a way that is really hard to describe uh, and, and will change a lot about the way that people trust you before you get in the room. Marcy, this has been awesome. There's a lot of, I think, some good action items there. Checking the website, LinkedIn, you know, even the header and um, how they can start writing stuff. Is there anything else? And as you look maybe farther into the future than most people, right? As you're thinking about PR and, and marketing, all that, anything else you'd encourage folks just to have on their radar, anything you're thinking about at this time, besides what we talked about? You know, I think the, the biggest thing for me, Brian, is just understanding that every day that goes by that you are still leading only with the logo, that you're still leading only with the company you are falling behind. And, you know, so getting mentally over the head trash around, I'm worried about how many likes I'm going to get. I'm worried that people aren't going to think this is valuable and just lean into uh, your ability to teach and your ability, it's, your audience is doing this behind the scenes right now on a one-to-one -one and one-to-few basis. And so again, the encouragement is just to, to really get over the hump and start doing it at a bit more scale. Rusty, this has been a lot of fun. So you have your website, rustyshelton.com. Anything else, any, anywhere else you kind of spend a lot of time on in social channels? Yeah, so that, that's the best site to go. I do a lot of uh, speaking and workshops. So if anybody's you know looking for somebody to come in and teach their audience how to build thought leadership focused on impact, not ego, I do a ton of that. Um, it, the new book, so if people want to go to the authorityadvantagebook.com, we're actually giving away a free audio or free digital copy of the book if you go there. Um, just trying to get the message out as much as we as much as we can, and so and then ZilkerMedia.com is our our agency. So we do this for banks and law firms and technology companies. Really, this idea of building thought leadership as an on ramp back to bigger business goals. Awesome. Well, Rusty, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you diving into this. Brian, thanks for having me, man. This is great. Hey everyone, and just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.